0: Thank you so much for joining us at Faith Community Fellowship, where we are one church meeting in three different locations. Our goal is to build communities that love God, love people, and move our faith forward. If you'd love to learn more about FCF or how to get more involved, visit us online at fcffamily.com. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Y'all look amazing. Uh, I'm going to attempt to do something uh, that's out of the ordinary for me. uh, Uh, I told my wife, we have a bet going, that I'm going to preach in under 30 minutes. And uh, yeah, she, she laughed too. So, so I, I wrote in my notes a couple of times, I wrote, hurry up, you got to win the bet. But no, I'm, I'm just teasing, I'm, I'm going to do my best, well, we're going to shorten this message. And, and secondly, uh, I move around a lot uh, when I preach, and, and I'm feeling a little claustrophobic right now. And, and so I did pray this morning. Uh, I don't want to kick over any candles. So if you guys would would pray for me, that would be amazing. But uh, I know Pastor Steve greeted you. If you don't know me, I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor Nick. I'm the pastor here at the Trustful location. So good to see all of you today. And uh, again, Merry Christmas. Can we just say it one more time? Do, do any of you have like Christmas traditions? We, we have a few in, in the Carroll house. I'll tell you just a few of the ones that we have. Uh, uh, number one, we, we look at Christmas lights every year. We'll, we'll load everybody up in the car. We'll make hot chocolate, and we'll drive around. We'll look at some Christmas lights. Um, we, we do family gingerbread house-like builds, like it gets intense. And, and the teams are unfair every year because it's me and Savannah, and, and we're the creative ones. Uh, Rachel and Tucker are the rule followers, so theirs looks like the box. Enough said. Uh, we, we, we do something every year. We, we, uh, we bake a birthday cake for Jesus. We bake it for Jesus. Uh, we eat it. This year it happens to be gluten-free. Um, tomorrow we'll, we'll, we'll open a day. I'll cook breakfast. Every 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 uh, Christmas day we'll cook breakfast. But before we do that, we have a scavenger hunt. And uh, the kids, because when they were a small uh, you know, young age, they they would look under and see what the shape of the box was. And if their name was on it, they knew what the gift was. And so we mix it up. Like, there's no names on any of the boxes. They're symbols. And so for them to find the symbol uh, with their name on it, we send them on a scavenger hunt. But before we do any of that tomorrow morning, I'll get up and I'll read Luke chapter 2. And that's what I want to do for you today. Let's go with me to Luke chapter 2. I just want to read just about seven verses and it says this, starting in verse eight. It says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. Come on, that's the story of Christmas, y'all. It's, it's good news that will bring you great joy to who? To all people, no matter who you are, where you're from or what you did, the good news is that God brings good news and great joy to everybody who believes in his son, Jesus. And here's why. We, we all have access. And here's why. Why? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by the vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those Whom with God is pleased. I want to preach to you this morning on this Christmas Eve in 28 minutes, the gift of good news, the gift of good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. We thank you for your son, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Thank you for the good news that Christ brings to all of us. Lord, would you bless us today as we listen to your word? Would you speak to us? Would you open our ears to hear and our hearts and minds to receive? In Jesus' name everyone said, amen. The gift of good news. What I've noticed is what, what usually makes good news better is that it comes after bad news. How many of you understand that? I heard a story. There was a, a wife and a husband, and they went to the doctor's office for the husband's yearly checkup. And the husband, the doctor finishes the exam with the husband, and he says, well, well Doc, how is it? And he turns to the husband, he goes, if you don't mind, if, if I can have a minute with, with your wife, go and wait for us in the waiting room. So the husband leaves, and the doctor looks at the wife and says, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. He says, the bad news is your husband is terribly ill. It's, uh, it's one of the worst cases I've ever seen, and unless something's done, he's, he's going to die in the next month. And the woman gasps, and she says, well, is there anything we can do? And the doctor says, well, that's the bad news, but I got some good news. The good news is there's some intense treatment that have done properly has a 100% cure rate. She goes, well, well, well tell, me, tell me that treatment. He goes, it's simple. It's, it's called the king treatment. You treat him like a king for the next three weeks. Here's how you do it. You feed him whatever he wants, you serve him whenever he wants, and you make love with him whenever he wants. She says, in, in fact, if you, if you serve him for the next three weeks and you make love to him for the next three weeks, he's, he's going to live, he's going to make a, a complete recovery. The woman walks out into the waiting room and, and, and the husband says, well, what did the doc say? Doc said you're going to (laughs) die. Everybody say bad news. (laughs) In our text, it says that night the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel appeared among them, amongst the shepherds. Here's what's crazy to me. We're about to witness the greatest choral presentation in the history of the world as The armies of heaven, the the host of angels sing. And one nameless angel has the honor of playing the lead with an angelic multitude behind him. Here's what's amazing about this symphony. No tickets were sold and the show was not announced ahead of time. It it was not performed at a world-renowned music hall or a well-known stage. And when the greatest announcement that was ever made to mankind was announced, It wasn't announced to kings or rulers, presidents or senators. It wasn't announced to scribes or Pharisees, the learned or the influential or the esteemed of the day. It was quite the opposite. When the greatest news ever announced was announced, it was announced to the lowly of lowlies, the undeserving, the neglected, the marginalized, the most dirty people on the planet. It was to the shepherds. What I love about the Christmas story is it's one where God breaks all the rules. He appears to the lowly of lowly. He appears to the rough. He appears to the outcast. How many of you would say that you know somebody who's rough? You know somebody who's an outcast? Don't point at him. I'm just asking if you knew him. <laughs> when, when I was about eight or nine years old, uh, I think every neighborhood had this kid. We had a kid in our neighborhood. His name was Matt. And, and the only way I could describe Matt, how, how many of you remember like the old school Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau in the 70s? Do you remember the kid Kelly that uh, everybody wanted to be on the team? He rode the dirt bike. He cussed like a sailor and smoked cigarettes, and he was like 11. That was the dude in my neighborhood. Like, his name was Matt. He had a dirt bike. He cussed like a sailor, and he smoked cigarettes at 11. And and I remember, like, he lived down the street, and I'd go riding my bike. And and one day, my mom caught me over at Matt's house, and, and she had a stern talking to me. And I remember she says, stay away from him. He's bad news. Shepherds would have been the guys who would have been known as bad news. Uh, They they were dirty in in every sense of the word, literally and figuratively. They they, they worked in the dirt. They worked with live animals. They probably smelt like them. They were treated with contempt and and mistrust. These were guys who were known for stealing. They would steal money. They would steal sheep from other shepherds. In fact, uh, there was a, a, a Jewish law... Uh, that literally um, banned the testimony from shepherds in court cases because nobody could trust them. They were so unreliable. They, they were known to be brash. They were, they were harsh. They were roughnecks. The, most of them had foul mouths. They were ready to fight at the drop of a hat. They were, they were constantly on the move. They were, they were allowing their sheep to graze. but They, they were bad at relationships. And, and socially, they were at the bottom of the totem pole. Add all up to say that shepherds were bad news. Somebody say bad news. Can I tell you this? Spiritually speaking, shepherds are a metaphor for every human being on the planet. Come on, you and I are bad news. Apart from Jesus, we're bad news. Uh, apart from Jesus, we're dirty and brash too. Come on, you're bad news. Come on, tell your husband you're bad news. And here's what Paul says it this way in Romans. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And look at it. And it says, and so death spread to who? All men, all men are dirty, all men are jacked up, all of us are sinners, and apart from Jesus, we're all bad news. So here is the story of Christmas. Christmas is simply this, that God appears to bad news people with a good news message. That, that's the story of Christmas. It's, it's the story of the gospel. In fact, the word gospel is a Greek word that simply means good news. Look Look what it says in our text. It says, do not be afraid. He said, I bring you what? Good news that will bring great joy to all people. The gift of good news. I just want to give you three quick thoughts this morning about the gift of good news. Write this the first one down. Number one, the gift defines the need. The gift defines the need. A good parent, come on parents, help me out. It's not always best to get your kids what they want, is it? It's better to get your kids sometimes what they need instead of what they want. Uh, when Tucker, my, my son, was uh, about seven, maybe six or seven, we, we, we had a, we, we were making Christmas lists and, and he goes to Rachel and she says, son, you know, uh, basketball goal, what do you want? Like Legos, trucks, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, nah, mom, I know what I want. She said, what do you want? And he says, I want bull riding lessons. And, and Rachel, the loving mom that she is, says, you're an idiot. <laughs> that, that's the last thing that you need, son, because if it can be broken, uh, run over, or destroyed, my son will find a way to do it. I mean, he, And so how many of you understand bull riding may have been what he wanted, but it was the last thing that, that he needed. There is a huge difference uh, in what we want and what we need. Come on, do you remember when you, Christmas as a kid, any, anybody want to go back just a little bit when you, as a kid, what did you want for Christmas besides bull riding lessons? Like if you go back, maybe you're in your 40s, maybe you're in your 50s, 60s. When you're seven, you say, give me toys, give me Legos, you know, give me uh, games. Don't give me socks. Don't give me underwear. But can I tell you something at 45 years old, what I want? For Christmas? Socks! Come on, who appreciates socks for Christmas? Give me some drawers! I promise you this, that 45 years, or every single year, underwear is on my Christmas list. Why? Because it's what I need. How many appreciate underwear for Christmas? Just don't ask me to buy it for you, okay? And and if you have a good giver, then here's what I noticed. The gift defines the need. In fact, you can tell a lot about what the giver gives to the recipient by the gift that he or she gives, can't you? Listen, if your husband gets you a cookbook, uh-oh. Men, p- please don't buy your wife. Uh, exercise equipment. Don't, don't get her a vacuum cleaner. How, how many know if your wife gets you a new wardrobe, not like a shirt, like if she gets you a completely new wardrobe, she's like, bro, you need it. A few years ago, uh, we're opening up presents. I think I just turned 40. And uh, Rachel goes, oh, there's something in your stock, and don't reach in there and get it. And like, there's this little box, and I'm like, oh, man, it kind of feels like a watch box. Maybe she got me a watch, and so I stick my hand in there, and I pull it out, and it's a uh, ear and nose hair trimmer. <laughs> and and the, listen, the rumor on the street is I'm getting another one this year. <laughs> and and I, I was like, I don't want this. And she says, yeah, but you need it. You got to get real deep in there, because you <laughs> You look like Yoda. And so what I'm saying is the giver defines the recipient's need by the gifts that they give. So if they define you as a bad cook, guess what? You get a cookbook. If if they define you as a bad dresser, you get a wardrobe. If if, if you're like hairy nose -nose nick, you get nose hair trimmers. And so I, I just want you to think about and ask you this question. What did the gift of Jesus define for you and me? Look at what Luke chapter 2 says, the Savior, that's the gift, the Messiah, that's the gift, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's our greatest need. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. The savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. Christmas isn't really about what we want. Christmas has always been about what we needed. And guess what we needed? We needed salvation, we needed forgiveness. So God gave us a savior, and I wonder today, has anybody been rescued by the savior of the universe? Is there anybody that's bold enough to say that would just waved at me that you're saved, you're redeemed, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? We needed a savior. Number two, write this down, the gift determines the response. The gift determines the response. I love watching the responses of people opening gifts. Like, like there's some people that have no emotion whatsoever. They're just very stoic. There's some people, like, one of my favorite shows to watch back in the day was when Oprah did her big giveaway. Because people would just go, like, you'd see grown men passing out over a pair of Uggs. But here's what I've realized. Nothing is worse than getting a gift from someone and you don't have a gift to give them in return. Come on, has that ever happened to you? Like it's the last day of work before the holidays and and your coworker shows up with a gift for you, and then you gotta lie? You you know you do that. Oh man, I forgot yours at the house. And let me tell you what that's code for. It it really means you didn't get them anything, and you're going to open their gift when you get home, and you're going to figure out the amount of money they spent on you, and then you're going to spend the same amount back on them. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? So, So what happens is you reciprocate the gift. You give back the appropriate amount. So, if your coworker gets you a $20 Amazon Prime gift card, what would you typically spend on them? $20. But if they buy you a gift card for $250 to Macy's or Saks Fifth Avenue, how many of you understand you can't get them cologne from Walgreens? Why? Because you have to reciprocate. And here's where everything gets messed up with God. What do you give somebody who gave you their life? You have to reciprocate. You have to give your life back in return. Look at what Jesus said. He told the disciples, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross. Do you know what taking up your cross means? It means that you die to yourself. That's why Galatians says, crucify your flesh. Romans 8 says, put to death our desires. Luke 9 says, to die to ourself daily. Do you know that the greatest thing that you can give someone who's given you his life is to give your life back to him in return? That's what Christmas is all about. If Christmas is really giving, God gave us a gift. We have to give ourself back. I heard one pastor say it this way. He says, all God ever asked for is all you got. That's all he asks in return. And maybe you're here today and you're not a believer and you're like, man, that sounds harsh to give your life away. Not if you understand the motive. Not if you understand why. I want to close with this last thought, write this third thought down. Number three, the gift demonstrates the giver's love. Do you know why we spend so much money? I heard this year that the, the this is the first year that the average household in America will spend more than two thousand dollars on Christmas. The average. Why why do we spend so much money? It's because we like throwing money away. It's because your your kid needs that next set of Legos that they're going to forget next week. Why, why why do we spend so much money? We 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 give because we love. When when God wants his gospel to go forth, I love this about God, that he doesn't describe how to do it. He demonstrated how to do it. You know this. A demonstration is always louder than a description, isn't it? Parents, you know this. your, Your kids will do what you show them to do more than you tell them to do. How many of you understand that? So when it comes to God's love, God doesn't just describe his love. He demonstrates it. He doesn't just say, well, hey, guys, I love you. You're my kids. No, no, no. John 3, 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First John 4, 8 says this. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. It's not just something that he does. It's the very essence of who he is. The reason why we celebrate Christmas today, can I tell you, is because God is love. He is love. He loves you. He loves me. He loved us in our sinful state. God is love. And I'm closing Even The band, if you guys can help me up, help me out as I close. There was a story a few years back of, of a, a, a school in in Pennsylvania, and they were going to do their their Christmas production. And let's be honest, the real reason why we go to Christmas productions with children is to watch the rogue kids. You know the kids that just go rogue? You know what I'm saying? Like, like everybody else is singing you know, uh, uh, Silent Night, and, and, and one kid's picking up Joseph's robe and looking under, and one kid's digging in his nose, and the, the, the kid over here at ours was, was giving the, the hook horn sign to his mom over there. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And so they had one speculation, the school school board intendant said, hey, listen, uh, you guys can, you know, do holiday stuff, but, you know, we're not going to, we don't want to talk about Jesus. And, And so you can use the word Christmas, but we don't want this being religious, so stick to, you know, candy canes. and." and uh snowmen and stuff like that and and so they get to the the grand finale and 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 the theme of that year was Christmas love just just love everybody you know love the snowman and love the candy canes and you know love love everybody love your neighbor but but don't talk about Jesus but but so they're, they're doing this thing called Christmas love and 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 for the finale they're gonna hold up the signs and every kid has a letter and when it gets their part you know they're gonna hold up the sign and they're gonna spell Christmas love across the stage and 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 so the first one holds up the then the H and the R, and they keep going down the line. But they get to the kid with the M, and for some reason, he got the M upside down. And so it, he, they misspelled Christmas, and, and, and everybody's looking at it, and it's like, Chris was love. Chris was love. But then you see the real message. It wasn't Chris was love. It's Christ was love. Christ was love. Christ is love. Christ will always be love. Romans 5 says this way, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that love, God gave the greatest Christmas gift ever. He gave his son and God did something that you're not supposed to do when you give Christmas gifts. God left the price tag on the gift. You ever got a gift and somebody leaves the price tag and you see what they spent? Can I tell you what Christ spent on you and me? He spent everything. He gave his life because of love. And that's the story of Christmas. As I close, look at the interactions with the shepherd one last time. Luke says this about the angels. The angel says, you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Maybe you've heard it this way, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Pop quiz. What are the professions of the guys that are visiting the baby Jesus? They're what? Shepherds? What do shepherds tend to? What animals? What do you call a baby sheep that's a year or less? A what? A lamb? What nationality were these shepherds? They were Jewish. And what festival did the Jews celebrate every year to commemorate God's deliverance? Passover. At the Passover, they've been doing this for 1,200 years, they would sacrifice something known as the spotless lamb. Do you know that shepherds would have been part of that Passover process? Because every year, shepherds, when sheep were born, most sheep were born with imperfections. They, they had discoloration, they had sores, they had spots of, of hair that were irregular. But, but every once in a while, you would give birth to a perfect lamb. That perfect lamb would be without spot or wrinkle. And it was the shepherd's job to pick out these perfect lambs. When they picked out that perfect lamb, they would set it aside and they would actually call that lamb the sacrificial lamb, or the lamb that was born to die. Are you tracking with me? And here's what they would do. So that lamb wouldn't get any imperfections. What the shepherds would do to preserve that lamb was they would take that lamb and they would wrap that lamb in strips of bandage-like cloth and swaddle him to keep him from being blemished or spotted. These sacrificial lambs were born to die. They were born to be a sacrifice. So when the shepherds hear the news from the angel that there is a child wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes, the dirtiest of men knew that they were about to encounter the spotless lamb who was born to die. He was born to be sacrificed. And do you know why? Do you know why Jesus was born? Can I tell you? Jesus was born to die. Think about this. 33 years after his birth, we're going to the cross. Jesus is making his triumphal entry. Crowds are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down their cloaks. They're laying down their branches. And they're declaring declaring him king. Now scholars and theologians will tell us that As Jesus is making this triumphal entry, the the spot where these onlookers were laying down their their cloaks declaring him king was right before this fork in the road. Jesus would come to this fork, go right, and he goes to Rome. Go left, and he goes to Jerusalem. Going right was probably what some expected or at least hoped for. Go right, and he frees us from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. Go right, and declares war on Rome. Go right, and he fights Caesar. If he turned right, he would have gone right to Rome and took out Caesar. But instead, he goes left and goes straight to the cross and takes out sin. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus went left. Do you know that from the time Jesus was born, he knew he was going left? Why? Because he was born to die. I heard somebody this week, and I know what they were saying. They said, you know, Christmas is simply the story of Jesus coming to earth. But do you know this story? would be incomplete if it was just Jesus coming to earth? The story of Christmas isn't just about Jesus coming to earth. The story of Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth so he can go to the cross. Friends, listen to me. The greatest gift this year isn't a present wrapped under a tree. It's the presence of Almighty God who wrapped himself in swaddling clothes and placed himself not under a tree but on a tree. And he did it all because he loved you and he loved me. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9 says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Thanks for listening to this week's past message. We hope and pray that it encouraged you and helped move your faith forward. If you'd love to learn more about FCF or how to get more involved, visit us online at fcffamily.com.